On You Don't Know Dick, we, with the help of friends and special guests, look at the film and television career of actor Dick Miller. So let's begin. Welcome to You Don't Know Dick, the career of actor Dick Miller. I'm Doug Tilly, and with me as usual is the Wheelman, Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing today, Liam? Oh man, Doug, I'm fucking great, man. I'm real good. I'm real good. I'm great. Are you I'm shifting good. gears? Is that uh, what's yeah, going on, Liam? I'm shift. I don't. You know what? I, here's what? the thing. Here's the thing, Doug. I don't know if I'm shifting gears, but I hear there's going to be a shift in the vibe, and I'll, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't. I don't know what that means because I really only have like two vibes. One of those vibes is um, I'm at a. I'm at a public event with someone and I'm saying too many things. Like I'm right. just talking okay. too much. Uh-huh. And then the other vibe is um, depression. Those are the two vibes. And so I don't know what this new vibe is going to be that we're supposed to be Liam, switching to. I got a question for you. I know I'm a little younger than you. Just a couple of years. Just, yeah, just a couple. Yeah. But I do have, you know, sometimes I, I feel a little disconnected from the youth. Sure. What is this thing called a vibe check? How, how does one do a vibe? Yeah, check? I don't, I, I don't know. Oh, you I don't have, have any answers. For I, it. I mean, so it seems to, it seems to be some weird combination of like, um, the the fit, you know, the fit, what? and then like the music, you know, the music and the fit. Those are, mm-hmm. and then maybe like a general sort of sense of like coolness, like how cool you feel, right? That seems that all seems. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't Liam? know. I'm going to get off this tangent that isn't entertaining or interesting. <laughs> and I want to ask you a quick, quick questions before we uh, bring in our guest today, which is that. Okay. Have you ever been in a car crash, Liam? Um, and I'm sorry if this brings up any sort of tra- trauma. I don't mean sure, to be. Sure, but, but have you ever been in one? Um, yeah. Well, it wasn't severe, but when I was a kid, I was in a like a head-on with my that when my mom was driving. Sure. But it was like at a speed where both cars were you know dent like messed up but nobody was like put in real danger it was like very much like my mom made a left turn and someone ran a stoplight and we like hit each other but nobody was going so fast that it was like you know deadly but so you have never yourself been driving and been in some sort of traffic collision no well the worst i ever did was one time i clipped someone's mirror with my mirror and that was very scary but all that happened was our, our mirrors came off nothing, nothing did you have serious. to talk to him was there a confrontation oh yeah and i'd only had my license at that point for uh four days so oh. i was very nervous about it because i was like oh god i don't know how what i'm doing here and but, what happened did, did you get into a, like a fist fight or no i just had to match? no i just sent him a bunch of money so he wouldn't tell my insurance is that true yeah <laughs> How much money? Give us a give us a ballpark. It was like two twenty, I guess. Two hundred and twenty dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How does that make you feel now in the year twenty twenty two? I mean, how does that make you feel that you paid is, someone off? Uh, I mean, you know, I in theory it was to replace his. I didn't knock his fucking mirror off. It wasn't like nothing happened. How much does it cost to replace a mirror? You know what? I know that we're getting off track here, though not really, because there's a lot of vehicular destruction in the film that we're going to be talking about today. And I want to get an idea of what it would be like necessarily to have to repair some of the vehicles in this film. So how much does it cost to put a uh, a mirror on your vehicle? I have no clue. I mean, it was like 
uh, one of those like automated like it's like what? a mirror that moves and shit. Oh, fancy! You know okay. what I mean? But I don't know how much I'd actually look. It cost me two hundred twenty dollars because I had I just got my license. I didn't want to already have like a marks against my insurance. So sure. whatever. I don't I don't know how much it actually cost. What did your mom say when you told her? Oh, I didn't tell my mom. Well, I am going to tell her as soon as we finish recording mm. today. Mm. But we have to put, put breaks on that for now. We have to, sorry, introduce our very patient guests. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking ridiculous segue. All right. Well, Liam, I think it's time to introduce our very patient <laughs> guests. Our guests today are the hosts of the New World Pictures podcast, who are admirably chronicling the films released by Roger Corman's New World Pictures throughout the 1970s and 80s. Welcome to You Don't Know Dick, Erica, Mark, and Ryan. How are you doing, all three of you? Hello. Right? Thank Hello. you. Hello. Everyone talk at once. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear voices yeah, yeah. coming all together. Heads, all We're at doing, once, everyone talk voices. at the same time. <laughs> I'm going to ask a bit of a loaded question, and it is going to go to all three of you, but it's going to kind of sort things out right from the top. Mm, Who is okay. the leader of the podcast? Now, on this podcast, I am clearly the leader. I don't think Liam would even argue that. Which one of you are the leader? Oh, well, I, I, I would, I'm going to agree with you, Doug, because, I mean, just from the brief time we've been on this podcast, yes. you're clearly the leader. Right. Um, please identify talking- yourself. Uh, I'm Ryan, by the way. Hey, Ryan. Um, hi. And I would have to say that the leader is Mark. Mark. Yeah. Mark. Speak up, Mark. I would actually, this is Mark, I would disagree because the first person who spoke from uh, us three was Ryan. So that puts him <laughs> in the leadership position. It is kind of funny. Ryan Ryan quickly declared Mark the leader, but Mark, you are supposed to be the leader. Erica, do you just take a back seat to these yeah. two boys? No, they're both being really modest. I'm the clear leader of this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Obviously. Thank you for asking. I just like to lurk in the shadows and let them duke it out. And then I step in. I'm like, yeah, leaders here, everybody. Don't worry. I'm just glad that there is a leader or maybe even three leaders. I don't see why we can't have multiple leaders. If anything, that's the thing that's tearing your country apart at the the moment, Liam O'Donnell. (laughs) That you don't have any clearly defined leaders. Mm. Everyone's just, Mm. they're just arguing. Mm. You know what would be great? Oh, my God. What would be great, Doug? (laughs) If you had multiple presidents. All functioning oh, at once. Yeah, That's not a bad sure. idea. Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Erica, Mark, and Ryan, you're here from the New World Pictures podcast. And I have to say, I'm a big fan of the concept of this podcast. And of course, the podcast oh. as a whole. But the concept <laughs> more than even the podcast. <laughs> because I'm a conceptual person. It's one of the things uh-huh. that I like most about podcasts is a good, strong hook. And you got a hook. You got the uh-huh. New World Pictures hook. And I got to ask all three of you, all at once... Just shout out as soon as you have a thought. Why would you start a podcast devoted to New World Pictures? I'm going to start, actually. I'm going to direct it at one of you, the leader. Let's start with Erica. Erica, why New World Pictures? I mean, why not? Here's the thing. As the leader, I can confidently say I've seen the least number of movies in general. Sure. Between Mark and Ryan. Sure. So it only made sense that they would pull me in and expand my cinematic horizons Mm -hmm. to to all things New World. It's been a wild ride. Do you get irritated watching some of these movies? I sure do. Thank you for asking. Mm, yes. I certainly do. Yep. I certainly yes. do. What's the most irritating thing that you've encountered so far as you've been working through these films? Um, a lot of them aren't fun. That's what I judge my movies on. Uh, is this movie fun? Am I having fun while watching it? Would I watch mm-hmm. it again? Would I recommend it to a, to a friend? Mm-hmm. Is there anything I find about it that's memorable to me? Right. And in a lot of them... 
The answer is no, but there have been some real gems that have stuck with me and, and really have become some of my favorite movies. Ryan, I'm going to ask you the same question. Why oh, okay. the hell, why the hell would you create a new world pictures podcast? That's what everyone wants to know. <laughs> why the yeah. hell would we? Why? Um, why would we? Well, the, the mm-hmm. answer was, I think lies with Mark, but I would Mark. say that, uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. See you guys. <laughs> Mark, I should have asked you. You're the leader. Ryan even said so earlier. Mark, why is there a New World Pictures podcast, and why should I be listening to it? Well, there, when Ryan and I were in college, mm. uh, and we didn't go to the same college, but we went to college nice. at roughly the same time, we watched yes. a lot of New World Pictures movies. They were always the movies at sort of the back of the video store. When all the new releases were gone, there was always a New World Pictures movie that you could pick up. Um, and in the 90s, I put together a website with a, a, one of our mutual friends that we were just talking about New World Pictures movies and uh, doing some light reviews. And that was a GeoCity site that is long gone. Uh, a f- <laughs> and a few years ago, we just thought, you know, remember that website? That was really fun. Maybe we could do a podcast and talk about these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, because as Erica said, you know, a lot of them are a lot of fun and some of them are not, but mm. they are all... <laughs> representative of a time in filmmaking that's really kind of gone and Absolutely. it's not going to come back. Um, and s- uh, there are also a lot of movies that a lot of people, which is unfortunately sort of the lack of popularity of our podcast, a lot of these movies, no one's ever heard of them. Um, <laughs> so we're, we're, we're kind of, to the listening audience, bringing some movies to their attention that they probably have never heard of and never even thought to watch, and and hopefully maybe now that they are. Mark, I feel a, a very much a kinship with you right this very moment. <laughs> because you see, Liam and I have a combination of podcasts, a collection of podcasts under this title of Cinema Smorgasbord, and they're devoted to these concepts. They, just like you, you have a great concept, New World Pictures. We have concepts, hey, let's watch every film that Eric Roberts has made because we made a blood oath to watch the life and work of Eric Roberts. Right, Liam? (laughs) Unfortunately. But but what happens sometimes when you create these long-term projects Mm. is that you are watching movies that people couldn't possibly care about and certainly don't like. And then you have to wonder why anyone would want to hear you talk about these things. And what you find out is they don't. They don't want to hear you talk about them. Uh, And then you might might watch a movie like... I'm just going to throw an idea, like moving violation. And people will be like, I don't know what that is. I don't care about that. I'm not going to listen to people talk about that. And that's a problem. But thankfully, and I can already tell, the personalities shine through. And that's why it's so great to have the three of you here today. Mark, oh, why you. why should people care about New World Pictures? Um, because Roger Corman started New World Pictures. Um, he, he really started the low-budget... Um, genre or low budget exploitation genre. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, this was a guy that looked at every trend. Jaws came out, huge success. He's like, <laughs> I can make Piranha. Okay, now we're on it. Star Wars comes out. He's like, Battle Beyond the Stars. We'll do that one. Uh, Conan the Barbarian comes comes out. He's like, uh, Sure, Beastmaster. Let's do that. Um, Sorceress, and- Mark. Beastmaster was not <laughs> New World, but. Well, you know, <laughs> I don't always get all my history right. They made. I should let you know, I'm not going to edit anything out of this podcast, so please continue. So here, here's where I'm going. They made a lot of movies, and sometimes you can't remember all of them. And sometimes you mistake ones that they didn't make as ones that they right. did. But 
They I wish made they a lot of movies. Beastmaster. That would have been great. <laughs> that would have been way too expensive for them. But they uh, they made a lot yeah. of movies and uh, you know in a time and made them for on the cheap. And mm -hmm. they made it so that it required creative directing, creative editing, some really creative special effects. I mean, James Cameron got his start through New Absolutely. World Pictures. So it, it, it there was just a, a kind of a wellspring of creativity that came from it. Um, certainly some of the movies aren't great, but there's in each one, there's something you can find incredibly charming. And that's why we do it. Absolutely. I mean, Erica will disagree, but that's why I do it. <laughs> it's funny because there is, I mean, certainly we're talking about the life and work of actor Dick Miller here today. And there's certainly a lot of crossover in his career with New World Pictures and Roger Corman certainly. as a whole. And certainly a lot of the alumni that came from New World Pictures. I mean, so many names, right? Your John Sayles and your Joe Dante, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that being that sort of that 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 being a location where young filmmakers could get an opportunity to get their handles in make no money but go on to you know to launch pad into hollywood careers is one of the things that has become so notable so seeing those early works of someone like jonathan demi and seeing where he went to from there is one of the most exciting things about covering films like sure. the ones that you cover on your podcast and like the ones that we cover here and you don't know dick and of course we recently launched our paul bartell podcast mm, uh, wow. tell, tell something good and i know liam that you are not as familiar with paul bartell's uh career up to this point but we will be covering a number of new world pictures films on mm -hmm. that podcast and that must be very exciting for you liam unbelievably exciting liam what do you think about roger <laughs> corman the the famous low budget movie producer i'm a little torn because i respect the uh tenacity of it all but mm -hmm. i understand that um while he was launching the careers of many people he was also ripping any number of people off and um, sure. putting people's lives at risk on certain shoots uh -huh. and and uh apparently adding um uh, a lot more nudity and rape to uh humanoids of the, from the deep or whatever that one is uh -huh. so, Absolutely. you know yes. there, there's a there's a there's a there, he, it seems like a mixed bag is what i'm trying to say i mean don't be wrong you know, I love uh, I love like I don't know like Joe Dante or whatever, but I don't know. Uh, <laughs> don't make the joke. Don't make the joke. Uh, but I don't know if it's worth. Uh, it, it, I don't know if it's. I don't know if if my love of certain aspects of who Roger Corman is justifies the negative things. So I, I feel real mixed about him. I mean, I think you have to anyone in that kind of position of authority who has so much clout in the creation of films, especially at that time period. There is going to be a little bit of lack of oversight that's going to lead to some of those, those kind of in, inner conflicts. But, I mean, I think a lot of people who worked with Roger Corman, probably a majority of them have a lot of positive things yeah, to say. But then again, fair. maybe maybe yeah. we only hear from those positive voices that became so big. And there's a lot of people who'd be <laughs> maybe not so positive. Ryan, I feel like I stepped on you a little bit earlier. And no, I want to apologize. I but oh, I want to ask you, Ryan. It was one is... of my favorite moments when you stepped on Ryan. I loved it. Well, I loved it. Ryan, it was I did step on you, and I do apologize. But I do want to ask you, what's the best New World picture? Oh my Ooh, God, man! Ooh. Mm -hmm. oh How long Lord. do you have? God. No, I, I only have the amount, of, the amount of time it takes to say one title. Oh, we started with a real Sophie's Choice here. Um, mm -hmm. Is yeah, Sophie's I... Choice a New World picture? <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, they would never. They would never have made something without that that required that much budget. Um, uh, yeah, I I feel like it's hard for me to say because uh, I love all all of our children equally. Sure. Um, but um, <laughs> and because there's oh, there's so many New World pictures that I have yet to see, so it's hard sure. for me to say 
because uh, just uh, Mark was talking about our friend that uh, he started the the website with long ago. He just sent me a message today of yet another movie that New World Video put out that I was not aware of. So I ke- I keep finding out about these new other movies that I have not I've not realized that New World put out. So it's really hard for me to say. But at this point, we have a running top five as we go through the podcast where we just continually update at this point annually. And we um, and we go through what our favorite, our top five movies are. And at this point, for me, still, uh, the top one for me is Heather's. That seems like a pretty terrific pick to me. I guess it would be unfair not to ask the other two of you as well. Mark, your favorite New World picture. Hellraiser 2. Oh. Do you prefer Whoa. Hellraiser 2 to the, to the first Hellraiser? Yes. Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. Oh. <laughs> Unequivocally, yeah, yeah. it's arguable. without a doubt. Believe me, I do not agree. But yeah. yeah, you may, you guys but may that, not know but, this, or, or, but we 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 ranked recently in October. We ranked the entire Hellraiser franchise, and right. we went and watched all ten Hellraiser movies. Um, Bloodlines number like, one, Hellraiser two, number two. Hell, Bloodline did very well. Mm-hmm. It did hey, very it well. Did very it well. wasn't it number well. one, but it did very well. Mm-hmm. I think it, Erica's number one was Hellworld. Was that your number one? Uh, yeah, Hellworld. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, you think so, that the third Hellraiser movie is better than the first two? Hellworld is the eighth. Oh, it's the eighth. You're you think the fucking eighth Hellraiser movie <laughs> sure is do. better than the first two? <laughs> yes, I sure do. Can I can I, I, sure I quit do. the podcast now? Or? Yeah. <laughs> Liam, Liam, you're on my podcast, not on the New World Pictures podcast. But our podcast is now what it is because of this. I don't know. The whole. Well, thing are you feels... not having a good time, Liam? I don't. I don't like hearing this. Uh, the eighth Hellraiser movie, Doug. Yeah, Lance Henriksen, Henry Cavill. Come on, the '90s. Let's go. Stop. It's number one. Stop. Let's go. Stop. Let's go. Quit today, Liam. I'm taking your job. Erica, I feel <laughs> I feel a little hesitant to ask you this now, but what's your favorite New World picture? Creepshow two. Creepshow. Sorry, you like Creepshow two more than the first one? Yeah. Well, well, that's they didn't they didn't make they the didn't first release one. The, they didn't release the first one. Oh yeah, well, I mean, uh, the first one. there's still yeah. the suggestion here that if Creepshow two is your favorite movie that re- was released yeah. by New World Pictures, that you probably like it more than the first one. Yeah, of course I do. Do, wow. do you remember yeah. what the first segment in Creepshow two is? Um. Oh God, it's, do it's, I? I believe it's, it has it has head? Ted Danson in it. No, Ted no, Danson is no, not. No, that's Creepshow. Creep it does show. have George Kennedy in it, our beloved George, George Kennedy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. And it fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. It's I thought you were talking one, about right? the first one. No, it's, it's okay. Good, no, it's, believe me. It's, so anyway, I don't want to. I'm not going to. It's a cigar story, Indian story. Yeah. It's the one. Yes. With the, it's Indian really Indian not good whatsoever. And you know what also isn't good, really, is the third segment in that. And it does have the raft. wrong. Wrong. I don't think. The raft is the best the second one. is the raft. The raft, the raft is the second is, one, and it is the best the one. The hitchhiker is the third one. It's, it's okay. So good. The hitchhiker's you know, okay. One, yeah. But are you I'm telling good. me you got three segments and one of them is just outright terrible? <laughs> well, they were supposed to do. They were supposed to do five, but they didn't have enough money to do. They ran out of money. It to sounds do like someone's two. got a case of the Spozdas, and I don't want to hear it here on this episode of You Don't Know Dick, which, <laughs> hey, look, by the way, is guys, a podcast. You guys asked me my favorite one. That's it. Hands down. You know, look, I'm the leader of the New World Pictures podcast, mm-hmm. and Creepto sh- yeah. Creep Show 2 is the best one. So, Liam, you know. Liam, I want to hear what you have to say. Are you going to ask me what my favorite is? 
I was a little concerned that you would be like, oh, I don't really have a list in front of me, but I'm guessing all of this time, honestly, a lot of the outrage that I just threw out there has given you an opportunity to say what your favorite is. What is it, Liam? Uh, it's a three-way tie between oh, crimes, crimes, of, crimes of Passion, Suburbia, what? and The Stuff. <laughs> crimes of Passion is on there? Crimes, oh, of, crimes, of, no. crimes of Passion Crimes of Passion is my third favorite Ken Russell film. Yeah, oh, huh. no. Okay. I, I'm with you. I love Crimes of Passion. It's so fun. You and I, it's we're, a fucking we're together on this one. I mean, it's not it's not the <laughs> devils, but it's really fucking good. Liam, I mean, I I I understand that Erica had sort of a a, a negative response to you saying Crimes of Passion, but <laughs> yeah. then I remembered both Creepshow Two and Hellraiser Eight, and I don't think you have to necessarily take that <laughs> criticism very seriously. <laughs> Folks, disagree. we're here to talk. Hey, Come hey, hey, disagree. hey. Look, I think we got to settle down here for a second. And I'm sorry. I don't mean to step on all of you. I and mean, that's what it feels like I'm doing right now. But I got to ask you all about Dick Miller. He's mm. an actor. Uh, he appeared in a number of New World Pictures films, has a sure longstanding, did. of course, uh, a career connection to Roger Corman and a lot of people who grew out of New World Pictures. We've talked about Joe Dante extensively on this uh, podcast. But, uh, you know, we talked, I think, uh, Liam, I think we've certainly talked enough about what our, we think the appeal of Dick Miller is. In the film that we're going to be talking about today, it has a very small Dick Miller performance, but frankly, it's a very prototypical type of Dick Miller performance where he shows up just in a couple of scenes, still manages to be very memorable, manages to crash a car into an outhouse. We'll talk about that a little bit later. I want to get your thoughts on Dick Miller as a performer. Certainly in your podcast, you must have encountered him several times. Starting with you, Ryan, your thoughts on Dick Miller as an actor. Um, Dick Miller is a great actor and a great actor because despite, I read an interview with him and he said, despite the fact that he gets these smaller roles, he hates the term character actor. Right. He prefers to just consider himself a leading man in a smaller role. <laughs> and, um, and he, uh, I think he, I think it's bigger roles for Roger Corman were sort of before new world. Um, once he gets into new world, he sort of does a lot of, uh, kind of smaller, uh, sort of cameo roles, even if you will. And sure. but he he had I think in particular one of my favorites that he did for New World was in Big Bad Mama, where he plays one of the bumbling cops that are chasing uh, down Big Bad Mama and her two girls. So <laughs> and, and that's certainly a great performance. If you haven't talked about that one yet, I'm not sure, but um, I think that's one of his better ones. But I love Dick Miller. I think he's fantastic. And of course, I know him from a lot of the uh, Joe Dante films. Probably first, those are probably the movie where the where I first saw him sure. in the 1980s. Um, and he's, you know, he's great. I, I don't think he's ever turned in a bad performance. He somehow got cut out of dead heat, re which we talked about recently, which is a shame. Mm, that is a shame. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's too bad. They have his scene in like on the DVD, they have the deleted scenes, but, uh, yeah, he got cut out. How could you do that to Dick Miller? It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's actually disgusts me to hear it. Actually, Liam, that yeah. does bring up a bit of a weird question. A cut scene featuring Dick Miller. Should we still cover dead heat at some point? No. No? Okay, well, that answers that question. <laughs> you're, you're, you, know, you know what? You're right, Doug. We don't have enough material for our Dick Miller podcast to cover. We have to scrape the bottom of the barrel for shit he doesn't even appear in. Come on. What are you even asking me here? I'm I'm asking you as a partner in this podcast, uh, you know, 50-50, I want to get your opinion on something. I wasn't trying to force anything down your throat, Liam. All I'm saying, all I'm saying is, question. all I'm saying is, he's we got enough material here, buddy. Like I, I don't, I feel like if he doesn't actually appear in the thing, we don't need to cover it. Mark, Mark, Dick Miller, yay or nay? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, a big, a big yay. Yeah, big yay. And he puts in a commanding performance here. Uh, he yes. not only crashes through an outhouse, but he goes through an outhouse and a house and mm-hmm. many other things along the way. I, I he obviously didn't understand. Yes. He didn't understand like the accelerator brake part of the car. Maybe sure. he doesn't drive in his regular. As a kid, say he didn't understand the assignment here. I would say he did not understand the assignment. <laughs> no, but confusing uh, assignment. It was great. It was great to see him in this movie, and I I loved the part that the parts that he was in. Well, you'll get a chance to talk about Dick Miller in this movie in just a little bit. But your overall view of the world of Dick Miller, any performances that stick out to you? Um, I, you know, I'm gonna have to say like uh, his his work in um, Death Race 2000. Uh, oh um, no, this is no, this is a very controversial subject that we're getting into right now because I've talked about this on the podcast before. I'm of the opinion that Dick Miller does not appear in Death Race 2000. No. And because there is a scene. I don't know. If, have you guys already covered Death Race 2000? We have yeah. indeed, yes. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. I imagine that you had. Now, there's a sequence in that mm-hmm. where these three greasers are playing chicken in mm-hmm. the movie. And, and he is credited on the IMDb as playing one of those greasers. But I assure you that that is not Dick Miller in that scene. And I mm. feel that he has been miscredited as appearing in Death Race 2000 when actually he is not in the film at all. And you can look it up. That guy is not Dick Miller. What are you talking about? And I'm sorry. I feel like now I'm getting on you a little bit, Mark. But if you're going to consider this one of your favorite Dick Miller performances, I want to hear well, it. I, I didn't say. You just asked me about some, some favorites. No, you I mean, said, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to roll back the tape a little bit. You said <laughs> my favorite Dick Miller performance. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, um, sure, maybe I did. But then I, you know, I'll, I'll also say uh, his role in as Benny Buckman in Cannonball, Cannonball. was pretty am- <laughs> was uh, also a highlight uh, that also yeah. had uh, some some James Keach, which is uh, Erica's favorite New World Pictures mm-hmm. and uh, Par Bartel Bar- directed. So Paul yeah, Bartel directed. So. And listeners, if you want to check out Cannonball, just recently added to the Tubi streaming platform, you can watch it for free right now. That's where should. I watched it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go and do it. Absolutely, Mark. Any other favorite Dick Miller performances? Outside of this movie? Well, you know what? Maybe this one should be the three. And three, I mean, when I ask a favorite of something, you can only list three things. That's the limit, I say. Okay, that's fair. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, look, we've watched... Uh, we, we, there are several movies that he's in that we haven't covered yet on the New World Pictures podcast. Yeah. Um, and so I, there are many more that I'm sure... If we do this podcast maybe a year or two from now, if we do a, like a recap, we do a very special episode, and we come back and talk again, I might have a whole different list. I love but it. But I'm going to stick with that. Cannonball right now. That, that sounds mm-hmm. great to me. Erica, Mark, and Ryan, I want you to report back in one year's time and tell me if you've seen the other great... Dick Miller performances, ones that I need to check out immediately. Let's finish off. Erica, your thoughts. Dick Miller, he's he's an actor. We're talking about him here mm-hmm. on the podcast. What do you think? Correct. Yeah, big fan. Um, I, I as Mark uh, mentioned, also loved him in Cannonball. Yeah. Cannonball. Um, he's also great in Rock and Roll High School. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, he, what I always love about him is that he is one of those guys where be, before you know who he is, you're like, I've seen that guy, right? That's mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. That you know, guy. you're like, I've seen that, that guy. guy. He's Dick in Miller. something. I've seen that guy. I've seen that guy. Yet, I bet he could have, you know, even in his, even in his prime, he had so many, so many um, movies, television appearances, everything out there. I bet he still could have walked through the grocery store unnoticed. And that's, yeah. I just, there's something about that that's so wonderful and charming, and just he could probably still live a totally normal life, but you know, has has such an amazing career. Yeah. 
it's it's I mean I think that sums it up perfectly just this a, a person that everyone has seen and knows mm-hmm. I mean that's the thing that must be a little bit irritating or had been irritating in his life where people would have stopped him and be like I know that you're somebody I just don't right. know who right. you are right <laughs> right. Uh, right but uh, I mean he, you know they, they, I they swear consider that him... you were crazy Mel and Space Raiders I swear <laughs> That's the one they bring up again and again. (laughs) Before we take our first break, I need to ask the three of you. You have chosen the film Moving Violation from 1976 Mm -hmm. for us to watch. This is a car movie, a car chase movie, very popular in the 1970s, which we'll get into Mm -hmm. when we start talking about the movie proper. I want to ask you, actually, I'm going to stick with you for a second, Erica. Why did you ask us to watch Moving Violation? No, I didn't ask you guys to watch it. That was all Ryan. I, I swear <laughs> that, that was they, 100% they... Ryan. <laughs> Ryan, we've established that you are a gearhead. No, wait, Mark's the gearhead. Mark's the Mark's gearhead. gearhead. Mark's Mark, the gearhead. you are a gearhead. Right. Why did you let Ryan choose moving violation for <laughs> us to watch? I, I, I think actually I'm the one that suggested it, to be okay. honest. Ryan, oh. was that, oh. is that correct? Did I suggest I don't know. this? Maybe, maybe. I, I don't know, maybe. I think um, I, I really threw out some options to you guys, and yeah. I think that's what we then we just settled. You and I probably settled on moving violation. Erica said, "What the shit is moving violation now?" Yes, and, and then we, yeah, mm-hmm. it's probably that's I think probably how it went I'm, down. I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for movies that were made at the re, at the peak of banjo and and mouth harp. Sound, sure. soundtracks, and this is it's right in my sweet spot right yeah, there. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> So we have we've come to the we've come to the decision of who decided. It seems like it was some sort of some two person decision between Mark and Ryan. But what's the yeah. appeal of this movie? What's the appeal that we should be into the idea of watching Moving Violation? I think it's one because we hadn't none of us had seen it. Oh well, so there you we go. Kind of, yeah, we had kind of thought, well, this will be fun, and um, and it, we we've been talking recently because um, there are so many eras in even a new world new world's history. And we had kind of been saying we've been kind of hitting the 80s a little hard. So recently we wanted to watch more of the 70s. And then you contacted us and said, pick a Dick Miller movie from the New World era. And I thought, OK, well, let's let's look at what he did. And we can now watch one from the 70s because I think sure. he did show up once or twice in an 80s movie. But um, I wanted to be from the <laughs> Corman era. And um, and so we so I just thought moving violations sounded fun because we haven't done a lot of these kind of car crash movies. Absolutely. And we've only done one. We've done Black Oak Conspiracy, which um, has the same guy doing the score for for both of these films. But that was the only one we've really done. So I did I, that score just... sound like ding 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 ding. Yep, most mostly. And I, <laughs> and I will say it. too, I, I I also was hoping because I'd recently seen one of the nurses movies. New World did like five nurses. Absolutely. Movies. And 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 uh, Dick Miller is in all of them pretty yes. much, but they're always a small role. So I was kind of rolling the dice, throwing this name out to Mark and Erica that he might have a bigger role in this one. It does not turn <laughs> out to be the case, <laughs> but I was hoping he might have a larger role than he would because I was like, I don't want to do one of the nurses movies because I think his move. I'm pretty sure that he does smaller cameos, and that's kind of what he does here. Hey, you know what? There's no. There's no part for Dick Miller that's too small or too large. Not here on the You Don't Know Dick podcast. We're going to talk about Moving Violation in just a second. But before we do, Liam O'Donnell, had you ever seen Moving Violation before? No, I had never even heard of it before. Uh, and I was very excited to get a chance to watch something totally new for me. Yeah, and very different than the kind of movie that we've covered 
so far. I, I think I had mentioned before we started recording here that I had a familiarity with this uh, movie, but only from the trailer. I think I saw one of those compilations of trailers a few years back, and I, it kind of stuck in my brain specifically because of the star of Moving Violation, Stephen McCaddy, a great Canadian actor, and we're going to talk about him in just a little bit. But I remember seeing the trailer and thinking, wow, this looks amazing. Look at all the explosions. Look at all the car crashes. And those are all in the movie, and they're also mm-hmm. all in the trailer. <laughs> uh, but which isn't to say that there's nothing to recommend Moving Violation. There's quite a lot, and quite a lot to talk about. And in fact, so much to talk about that I need to stop talking right now. Let's take a break. When we return, 1976's Moving Violation. Eddie Moore was a drifter. Like we got ourselves a turkey up here. A young guy with an old guitar. No hitchhiking in the city limits, fella. And a knack for walking into trouble. Play this thing? No, no, no. I can't. I'm a dope in it. Cam Johnson was a small town girl with a sweet smile and a pretty face. One day they met. Stick them up. No. This is not a gun. I'm a punk. This is my hand. And fell in love. Let's get married. They were just a couple of good kids having a good time. Oh, Nick. And then. Get out of the car! You're not getting away with this! You leave me alone! I ain't getting no car with you! We saw this sheriff shoot his deputy, and now he's trying to kill us. 20th Century Fox presents Moving Violation. Starring Stephen McCaffrey and Kay Lenz as Cam and Eddie, a guy and a girl who get turned into living targets. A young drifter and his newly acquired girlfriend witness a corrupt local sheriff kill his deputy, soon becoming the prime suspects as they set off across country to evade capture. It's Moving Violation from the year 1976, directed by Charles S. Dubin, a very experienced television director for the most part, his highest profile work being the 1965 television version of Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella with Leslie Ann Warren. But most importantly to me, he directed some of the MathNet segments for Square One Television, the children's show that I grew up on and enjoyed very much MathNet. Liam, do you remember MathNet? I remember Square One, but I don't remember specifically MathNet. MathNet was a segment on Square One, which was a parody of Dragnet, the old 50s cop show, except they solved cases using the magic of math, Liam. Math has always made me want to die, so I probably forgot it on purpose. <laughs> well, I mean, it kind of showed you the wonder of it. But, you know, it, 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 do you think, and again, I'm just, I don't want, mean to play psychiatrist here, Liam, do you think your distrust of the police starts with the fact that this show combined math with the law enforcement? Yeah, that was probably it, Doug. <laughs> That's a good that's good detective work on your part. <laughs> Written by David Osterhout, who had acting roles in a number of Roger Corman movies and was an assistant director on Caged Heat and Fighting Mad, and has a role in this film as a mustachioed gas station attendant, also uh, written mm-hmm. by William W. Wharton, the writer of I Dismember Mama, Big Bad Mama, and other movies that were not involving the word mama, including White Lightning and Night of the Jungler, and other genre classics, and based on a story by David Osterhout, with an all-star cast, including, as I've already mentioned, Stephen McHattie as Eddie Moore, Kay Lenz as Cam Johnson. These are the couple that run off together. We have Eddie Albert as Alex Warren. Will Gere is here as well. And of course, we have Dick Miller as Mac. We'll talk about him in just a little bit. But first, we need to get everyone's thoughts. Every single person got to give me their thoughts on Moving Violation. I want to start with our guest today. Mark, your thoughts on Moving Violation. I absolutely loved it. I absolutely, I, I absolutely did. Yeah. It Yes, tonally, it it shifts into it shifts into many different directions. Um, you're not really sure where it's going at times. Um, sometimes it's a fun romp. Uh, sometimes it's just kind of police brutality. And in the end, it's sort of a psychological thriller. 
But yeah, um, I, I loved every. I in fact, I wish more movies didn't care so much about tone and just were like, "Fuck it, let's just make a movie. It'll be fun. We'll have a lot of car crashes. Who cares about the details?" And that's what I loved about mm-hmm. this movie. Mark, as someone who loves cars, who loves cars so much, like you do, does it make you feel sad to see them destroyed and smashed into pieces? Oh, those cars were a piece of shit. No. Oh. No. <laughs> no. no. Were there any those nice are not, cars? No, were there any good cars in this movie? Um, I mean, I guess the Cadillac Eldorado is a nice car, and that only got its windshield and its back windshield shot out. So I felt good that they didn't really damage it it ultimately was okay you could just get you know your windshields replaced you only have to call insurance for that and you'll be fine okay that's that's reassuring to hear i saw these cars get smashed (laughs) and i felt a little sad about it but i guess these cars a don't have feelings and b that they're just garbage cars and that's why you were able to smash them in this movie ryan you watched Mm. this movie moving violation what did you think of it um well i'm with mark i loved it as well um I did miss maybe it's because we haven't seen tons of these kinds of car crash movies sure. and we have a lot to cover on our podcast. But um I think this one had like a little bit of an extra layer of quality, and I think that quality was more money than usually New World would ever get for a movie <laughs> like this. Because this was a movie that Fox actually they made this movie for twenty first century Fox. And um they they uh had a deal with Roger Corman to make exploitation films for them for uh, a budget of about a million dollars. And that's more money than Roger would ever pour into one of his own productions. Certainly, right. And so I think the res- the result is on the screen because you can really see a much better movie, I think, than usual. Not only that, um, Julie Corman, his wife, is the one who produced the movie and she was always trying to one-up Roger. So right. I think in another way too, you also have somebody who's always trying to do something a bit cheaper than Roger would do, but also do things very well. She she was she was always uh, very meticulous in the way she produced movies, and uh, you can tell that in this. Also, love Stephen McCaddy in this, and I love him in a lot of things. But boy, is he great in this and Kay Lenz as well. Like I, I actually really love the leads. Um, I love their chemistry together. I wish that yeah. Stephen McCaddy's lines weren't. ADR'd quite so much in this movie. I got the impression yeah, that maybe yeah. he was mumbling a lot and they were like, dude, we can't understand what you're saying with that crazy Canadian accent of yours. Maybe? I think that's really probably more to the speed at which they're shooting because they, yeah. um, even and the outside director, especially. Yeah, Charles Devon talked about how quickly they were shooting this and he's a guy who, you know, works specifically or mostly in television. So if he felt this was a rush schedule for a film, it's probably because it was only slightly longer than his own TV schedule. Um, so that probably is why they had to do any sort of ADR like that. Yeah, but I love work. this movie. I thought this movie was great. I had a great I, time with it. I had a blast with it. And I don't just say that because a lot of cars blow up at one point. I'm going to ask Erica your thoughts in just a second. But first, I want to turn over to Liam. Liam, I once saw a movie, and I have to say it was also Canadian. It was called Crash. And in this movie, people got aroused from watching <laughs> car crashes. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It was made by a gentleman named David Cronenberg. Sure. And I was just wondering, mm-hmm. do you think that that's something that, that is very common, Liam, and people getting aroused watching car crashes? No, I don't. Mm-hmm. But no. you think it is something that does happen? It's got to, right? Some, I, I feel like there's probably a kink for everything. There's got to be somewhere, somebody. Right, but it did not happen to you while watching Moving Violation. Uh, no, I mean, I did get very excited at the idea that someone – made 
uh, Cannonball Run meets First Blood before either one of those movies existed. <laughs> I thought that was pretty neat. Um, no, yeah, I love this movie. I mean, it's not... <clears throat> I'm sure if I was an expert on these car crash movies, uh, then I would maybe be like, oh, this is actually maybe not the finest example. But for me, you know, I've seen Vanishing Point. I've seen... Uh, uh, Bullet. Uh, yes, or... Uh, Gone in 60 Seconds. The Driver. Uh, uh, I haven't Smoking seen Gone in sixty set. No, I was gonna say Crazy, Crazy Mary. No, what is that crazy one? Crazy Larry, Crazy Larry. <laughs> I know what you're saying. I, the the title is not jumping. Uh, no, but like you know that. what I mean. Anyways, I've yeah. seen a few of them, but there's so many. Dirty Harry. No, wait, that's not. No, sorry. No, Please no, continue. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Point is this. I've seen a few. I think not... it's dirt. Isn't it Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry? That's that yes. It thank you, thank yeah. you, thank you, thank you. Um, so I've seen a couple, but Peter not, a, but not enough that I'm like, oh gosh, I know all these. You know what I mean? So my excitement level is still pretty high for this genre, and so for me, this like it has the car crashes. It has again. I'm going to agree a beautiful lack of like uh, uh, of self-awareness to its tone that it's sure. very much like mm-hmm. we're having fun ooh it's really dark we're having fun like there are so many <laughs> there's so many goofy move- moments here that you yeah. forget that like it's a movie about a murderous corrupt cop protecting mm-hmm. the interests of an oil baron like specifically <laughs> this isn't even about like a murder or something else that you would expect from a 70s sort of this kind of movie it's literally a guy going I'm sure people would want to know that you're gouging them at the pump and that's what got him killed that's like like, that's crazy to me also it's just some guy like uh like it's not like he's like i have all these memos from your business it's just a random deputy saying we all know that you're ripping people off and that got him killed anyway sorry am am i wrong in thinking so during the the car chases in this movie you know they'll do the the wide shots of the stuntmen doing the car chases and of course Mm -hmm. then they'll they'll switch to the actors inside the car. It seemed like Kay Lenz as Cam Johnson was like smiling ear to ear, even when she was supposed to be terrified. Yeah. In almost every one of those close-ups, and I have to say, I found it very endearing as yeah. I was watching the movie. It seemed yeah. like she was having a good time. I, I, I mean, I don't know. It might be that they actually did intend this movie to be a little more serious, and it comes across. But they just had so much fun making. It just feels like a good time. But then it has these like dark moments, which maybe sounds like, oh, those moments are a bummer. Those are also fun moments for me. Like, like it's you it's like, like to see Eddie Albert being mowed down on the street. Is that what you're I like me? that? It that's how they decided. To, like, if the movie <laughs> had gone and then they go to court and he defends them in a legal battle, that would have been not as much fun. That would have yeah. been actually <laughs> fucked up. I would have been like, really? That's what we're gonna do, man? I thought this movie had balls, but the movie's like, oh, we do actually public murder. How's that sound? <laughs> We're just gonna murder him in the street and and do it in a way where it doesn't help them. Like he actually could have been murdered in a way that like made it clear that they were actually obviously like okay. But he's murdered in a way where they're still like I don't know. These two might be terrorists. Who knows what's yeah. going on here? <laughs> yeah, they, they, were... they murder him on the street and then they go after the two main characters. What about the car driving away with the people shooting mm-hmm. at the lawyer? They're like. Forget him. Let's just get these two. They were already walking to the courthouse. Let's get yeah. these two. Well, to be fair, no one. This is why why it actually works. Which, by the way, was their dumb fault for parking so damn far away, like idiots. <laughs> yeah. No one sees what happens. They just know, they hear the True. shots, but True. there's yeah. no witnesses. Which is like, 
it works for the plot, but I'm like, if they're that scared, why would they be like, yeah, just park like a mile away and we'll walk. I'm sure <laughs> if, you're gonna, if you're going to walk that far, certainly don't walk next to all of those cardboard boxes. You're just asking for trouble uh-huh, to happen. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Stephen, <laughs> yeah, very true. Parking, when parking, you in Burbank, per, parking in Burbank is really hard, though. Yeah, it's I know. Hard, hard to find a spot. Uh, uh, so. They were trying to yeah. avoid it's a moving meter. violation. Probably it's all meter. A parking violation, actually. Oh, okay. Please. <laughs> Erica, you haven't been able to speak your piece on moving violation. I'd love to hear what your thoughts on this movie are. I, I mean, I too liked it. That might come as a surprise to most people because I hate a lot of things. But <laughs> I actually really liked it for all the reasons mentioned. It's fun. There's car chases. There's titties. There's mm-hmm. old oil barons. Rated PG, may or may by not the way. Win at the end of the day. PG. Yeah. How is that rated PG? Amazing. PG. Yeah. But one thing that cracked me up throughout, and and correct me if I misheard, but I'm pretty sure the sheriff's only getting a thousand dollars a month. <laughs> he says in that opening yeah. scene where he's speaking with a deputy, and the deputy's like, "I want in. I want two hundred bucks." And he's like, "Out of the thousand or something like that." I'm like. So he goes to this great length, kills the deputy, goes on this massive car chase, kills a lawyer for, I mean, a twelve thousand dollars a year. Like, yikes! Yeah. That's a lot. I mean, in, I mean, inflation, though. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It just seems like a lot to go through for a thousand. Well, but a also, month. I have to think conceivably he's getting free gasoline as well. <laughs> I have to think, right? <laughs> Like, hope. you know, all the Let's free hope. gasoline he yeah. needs, yeah. which is a crisis back then. Just like what if I was now, to tell you so. that using an inflation calculator, $1,000 in 1976 is the equivalent of $4,986.22 today, $5,000 a month. Now it seems like not such a bad deal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Five grand uh, no. a month to no, kill people? No. <laughs> to I kill people? I do, I do think what we're supposed to get from the movie, too, is remember, she calls the feds, and the first thing the feds do is go meet with the oil bear to get. The, the official story that they're supposed to go with. Right, so right, I think the right. idea is like the police officer, he's not doing it for the thousand dollars. He's doing it because the old man said so. And that old man, yeah. everyone does what the fuck he wants, mm-hmm. which, by the way, was one, one of the moments of the film that felt right, but was like made the movie slightly less fun. It's like, uh, we're going to insert some reality here. OK, thanks, guys. <laughs> Well, I mean, the way I, it is, we are in the throes of the gas crisis, though, in this period right, of time, yes, right? In the 1970s. So, like, that, you know, that's, I think, obvi- I think that's obviously their point, too, right? I mean, clearly, they were saying just a little bit about, boy, the gas company really screwed us all, didn't they, everybody? Every yeah. 20 minutes or so, they should have pulled their car over and be like, we'd like to continue this car chase, but gas is so expensive <laughs> right now. <laughs> I want to join the chorus of your voices in praising this film, Moving Violation, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I'm not really, as I mentioned before, I'm not really a car guy, but certainly I enjoy car chase movies, certainly some of the more famous ones, but I kind of like the down and dirty ones where you kind of see the same cars repainted and dented and used over and over, and you get to see a lot of the ingenuity. I made a little joke earlier that all the kind of highlights of this movie are in the trailer, and there is something to that, certainly if you want to get a sense of the big stunts, but just the kind of odd pacing that you refer to, Liam, is something that really appealed to me. There's sort of kind of a weird mix of, maybe it's because of the time period it was made, 1976, that kind of mid-70s point where you kind of get that kind of 
freewheeling early 70s Easy Rider vibe, but then you have that kind of, uh, not just the cynicism of Easy Rider, but you also have that kind of late 70s kind of anything goes, crash bam, exploitation stuff as well. And it seems like it would be a really uneasy mixture, but for some reason it just really worked for me in this particular movie. We've already talked a little about the great Stephen McHattie. And I, I don't want to belabor the point. He is a Canadian actor, so I have a particular affection for him. But he also is a, an actor who's done a lot of genre work, uh, but not an actor that you see a lot in the movies of this time period in U.S. films. And it's one of the things that kind of really stood out for me. Liam, I know that you're not a McHattie head necessarily, uh, but we've already heard some of the other response to the performance. How do you think he is in this movie? I think I think he's pretty good. I, I, don't, I, I don't feel like... Um... He's given this. This sounds more negative than I intend because I like Please. the movie, but I feel like he's not given much to do than just be like angry and skeptical. You know what I mean? Like I, I feel like the the most that I'm getting from him is towards the end when he goes on the murder spree. Um, <laughs> but prior to that, like he's just sort of like I guess he's kind of cool. I like I like the parts where he just seems like you know maybe too cool for everything. But but you know once things get going. There's not a lot for him to do other than like the close-ups in the car and and the scenes where he's like kind of emotionally connecting with her are not like there's not a ton there. I I, I kind of feel like I actually for for my taste I like her better. Like I, I like the the range of stuff I'm getting and I like all the bad people who I'm not supposed to like. Like their their heel performances as the <laughs> awful that's what gets the movie for yeah. me is them them their 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 interesting combination of Keystone cop with uh, yeah. possible actual fascists. Like they really do a good job of being like, eh, I'm a guy, I don't know what I'm doing. Also let's murder that motherfucker. Like you get you get both of these like combo of like things that like it really works. And it it makes them somehow both humorous and despicable, which is like, you know, again, is a very heel thing to be. And I kind of like Absolutely. That. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good point. I want to get everyone's take on the performances here, if there's any that particularly stuck out to you. I do want to mention one moment that kind of confused me about this movie. So Eddie Albert plays a lawyer that our, our couple at the core, played by Stephen McHattie and Kay Lenz, they run into him. At first, they're very skeptical of him, and probably rightly so, but he does seem to be a genuinely decent person who is trying to help them, if only because he hates the sheriff and he wants to screw him over. But whatever, he seems to be trying. There's a part where he, he obviously recognizes that they're in some measure of danger, and then he asks uh, Stephen McHattie's character if he wants to drive his car. Like, there, he's driving. The lawyer is driving. And he says, do you want to switch? Mm -hmm. And they just switch seats and he starts driving the car. Mm -hmm. I just thought that was so unusual. It kind of felt like it was like, uh, uh, we know there's going to be a big car chase, so we want to have the main character driving during that. Very odd moment. Did you find that odd, Liam? I assumed the the vibe that I got, and I don't I don't know the movie gives you that, but my thought was, okay, well they didn't stop us, so I feel like whatever they're gonna do next, right, is not it's not gonna be legal. Like the, that, the next moves are bad moves. So let's just you know get the good driver in the driver's seat. Erica, any performances stick out to you in this film? Um, for me, I, I actually really enjoyed seeing Will Gear. Yeah, absolutely. Because sure. that's a name that always stuck with me, and I had to Google it to figure out why. And it's because there's a theater out here in Topanga, California, that is the Will Gear Theatricum oh. Botanicum. And it is a theater that was started by Will Gear and his family and still does shows to this day. It's an outdoor theater. They do a lot of a lot of Shakespeare plays. They do outdoor concerts. Um, and I'd always heard about it, and I'm like, 
Will Gear, of course. That's why I heard of it. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm, you know, familiar with that name. So I love seeing him just to kind of, you know, finally put a face with a name, make that connection. But yeah, I thought I thought just kind of generally overall, I enjoyed the performances. I enjoyed mm-hmm. kind of the silliness. Yeah, the over the top Keystone Cop, you know, elements from the sheriff's department from Bubba to um, <laughs> to the sheriff, sheriff himself, because it's like, God, he really hates this staff that he's hired. Like he hired all these guys and he's yet. He seemed surprised by their incompetence throughout. And it was Mm -hmm. like, I mean, you're the head sheriff. You had to have a part in hiring them onto the force. Yeah. (laughs) So you had to know that they weren't probably the best in the, they were just who you have available. You know, who greatly noticed that that was a thing for that character is the guy who created Dukes of Hazard. He was like, (laughs) Oh, let me note all that down. I get it. The the sheriff hates his own staff. Got it. Noted and will replicate. Right, right, right. <laughs> Ryan, any favorite performances in the film? Um, actually, uh, I did not uh, realize. I don't, not that I'd seen this movie before, but I didn't realize Eddie Albert was in the movie. Sure, and he come. He's such a late addition to Absolutely. the film. And I, I mean, honestly, could have seen a whole Eddie Albert's Alex Warren uh, attorney at law movie about a guy <laughs> who just he hangs out at the pool hall around the corner from his office drinking modellos and just waiting for cases and then when cases do arrive he's like motherfucker i gotta leave the pool hall in the middle of a game this fucking blows i mean it's not like i do lawyering for a living and i was like who is this guy and can i get a movie about this dude because i thought he was so great and uh yeah, I just and I, just the way he even put Stephen McCaddy often in his place, like chill out, put the gun away, or I kill loved me, it. whatever. You know what I, mean? I loved all that stuff. He was such a hard ass, and what a what a great role for Eddie Albert, um, uh, for from Green Acres of all things to to play this kind of you know <laughs> mm-hmm. guy. This fe- this felt like a Paul Newman role, you know, uh, <laughs> and this is not an Eddie Albert like esque role. I would I think you would think of if you even know who he is. And, but I just loved his character. I thought that it was great. And then, you know, like Liam said, then he just gets gunned the fuck down on the street. <laughs> I was like, damn, this movie pulls no punches. Woo. I love it. Yeah. Mark, I want to get your thoughts, too. Any any performances jump out at you? Um, Kay Lenz was amazing. And I, yeah. and I really thought she was incredibly believable, did yeah. an incredible mm-hmm. job, like from start to finish, even at the end where it kind of turns dark and she's like, you know, in a, in a hospital and Absolutely. she's not, she's catatonic. Like it was believable, but I have to say Lonnie Chapman is the sheriff. Yes. I, it just, it's like, if <laughs> so Buford good. T justice was like mm-hmm. more of a dick and less funny, that was the sheriff. Like, you could see where they took Smokey and the Bandit and they based it on his character, but they but there's he's saying so many of the same things. First of all, you we, we already discussed this movie's PG. Back in the seventies, when God damn it wasn't a bad word, and you could just say that free will, and yep. that didn't that that was no big deal. And he is, and you could such... take showers with ladies, and it was no big, <laughs> and, and, no yeah. big deal, no big deal, <laughs> no big no deal. Big deal I, at all. I think if there was no penetration, it's still not an R. Okay, fair enough. Unbelievable. Fair enough. <laughs> I've lived a very PG life, um, but I think the sheriff—he's—he's—it's 
in a way you want to like him because we've seen enough of these movies where there's like like cannibal run and like smoking the bandit where they're like comedies yeah and so for the first 15 minutes i'm like oh this is sort of like the lovable over the top sheriff and then it's like no no no, he is a fucking lunatic and i I hate to remind you that this movie opens with him taking stephen mccaddy out to the middle of nowhere and just beating him (laughs) right right of course um you know in the in the signal hill part of texas um but that's that's a long beach reference that was a long Long beach california where they shot a lot of those uh the oil the oil rigs and stuff is all out like but I thought he did a, I, I was, I loved his character. I loved how he was just always pissed. He was always pissed. Like this guy is mad all the time. Mm-hmm. And as a person who's mostly angry all the time, <laughs> I really associated with him. So there you go. I love how the movie teases that he's not going to get his comeuppance. And not only does he get it, he gets it from a sniper rifle that just fucking yeah, blows yeah. him away. Yeah. <laughs> Where does he get that rifle from? He steals it from the armory, I believe. Yeah, I don't know armory. why. There, yeah. there was no suggestion oh. at all why there was no one guarding the armory. He just walks in, takes it out, and leaves. Uh, that's just something. I mean, you know, unbelievable. Yeah. After it's a, after he had promised to Cam he that he loved her and was never going to leave her, and the minute that they get shot at, he takes off running. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute, so what? Fast. <laughs> Uh, there's a scene in Moving Violation where Stephen McHattie is talking about how hungry he is, and they stop at a diner to uh, get a hamburger, and the um, and you know they're a little concerned about getting caught because they just stole the car, and they don't get to eat the hamburger. And I have to say, it was very upsetting to me that he was hungry and ordered a hamburger and never got to eat it. Any thoughts on that, Liam? <laughs> yes, I was also very bad. No, I, I I don't have any thoughts on that. Liam, this movie is a car chase movie. So we've been talking about the actors. We've been talking a little bit about the plot and the the tone of the film. But really, what people are here for is the car chases. Sure, Now, yeah. uh, we, we talked a little bit about some of the car chase movies, the famous ones, Your Bullets and Gone in 60 Seconds, et cetera, et cetera. But I want to get your thoughts on, uh, you know, did this movie bring the action uh there are some really cool highlights in it there's also um you mentioned earlier liam that you had some issues with the idea of some roger corman produced movies maybe cutting corners and being a little unsafe a uh, stuntman on camera breaks his leg and you can kind of visibly oh, yes. see it yes. oh, yeah. <laughs> happens oh, in the movie yeah. Yeah. it's uh, kind of unpleasant especially when you know it's happening mm-hmm. but uh, aside yeah. from that it seems like uh, people uh, managed to get out of this unscathed, and there are some very impressive stunts, a lot of explosions, including that one where the top of the car is sheared off that I enjoyed yes. very much. want to get everyone's thoughts. Uh, favorite action sequence or a piece of action in this movie? I'm actually going to start with you again, Liam. Any thoughts on the action in this movie? Oh, I thought it was great. I mean, I, I do think there's a very, maybe not significant, but I think it is significant difference between a car chase movie and a car crash movie. Certainly, um, absolutely. And I felt like this movie was, it really excelled at a lot of its uh, stunt crashes, mm-hmm. um, which isn't to say the chases are bad, but you know, I, I could definitely think of some movies where the chases were a little bit more dynamic and exciting. Um, and, and in this movie, they are good, but what was really stellar for me was some of the crashes in the film and some of the, the some of the ways that also not just that the crashes are intense, but sometimes they're humorous. You know, like yeah. anytime you can pull off the the car going under the truck gag, I really like that. And um, it, it, there was just a number of times where uh, I mean, it, don't be wrong. There, the 
the the most impressive crash is unfortunately the one where the guy breaks his leg, which I immediately paused the film. That's when I found out he broke his leg. Is I when that happened, I paused and went that that had to be real, right? That wasn't just a, an effect, <laughs> and I had to look it up. Um, um, and, and so that's a that that part's a little haunting, I guess. But uh, other than that, I felt like the 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 crashes were super well done, and just you know, uh, again, may, maybe tonally this won't work for some people, but for me. Um, not only were they well done, a lot of them were like fun and funny and yeah. really just were that that was part of the excitement <laughs> of the film, even if we do sort of end in a in a in a public execution, that's fine. Uh <laughs> that before we get to that execution, it's fun. It's I mean it is a it does kind of play into the tonal inconsistencies of the movie. That you're right, the car chases tend to be a little bit fun, but then they lead into these darker moments, and you never really forget the fact that these this couple is on the run from people who are literally trying to kill them at all times. It isn't like a lot of these car movies where someone's trying to chase them down to arrest them. Like, the idea is they're going to be executed if they get caught. So the stakes are pretty high. In well, they do try to remind you that there's reality by be because, like, you have this insane sheriff and his buddy, and then the other cops, they're not willing to, to stop him, but they, they keep going, what are we doing? What's going What are you doing? <laughs> they keep, like, kind of, like, like, not stopping, but pausing to go, just check it. Are we... We're just trying to murder these people. What's happening right now? <laughs> and then the guy just yells like, bah, 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 bah. and they're like, "Okay, yeah, sure, all right, fine." I like how part of their the the couple's uh, theory about things is let's get to the, to a, a crowded area because they won't just kill us in front of everybody. And they get into a town, and the cops just start shooting at him anyway. I think even one of the cops mm-hmm. yells at another one. It's like, "What are you trying to kill somebody?" And the guy's like, "Yes, I am." It's just like, "What is going on here?" Um, but you know, that's reality. I mean, that's that's fair enough. Uh, Erica, uh, what did you? think of the cars and car stunts in this movie oh they're so good um specifically this isn't necessarily a car stunt but just in that first moment where the van goes over the hill and then the sheriff's walking down the hill and knocks himself unconscious (laughs) because i I audibly guffawed as this guy this fucking idiot just falls down and knocks himself unconscious and I, and I was saying, uh, just a natural rock that just happens to just be right there on the hillside. Just a very natural-looking, large-ass rock that he trips and hits his head into. And the sound effect is essentially like, bonk! Like, it's it's like as if bonk was just taken, like, like bonk! Yeah. Like, just like imagine like, how that well, must have been written. is too silly. Yeah. Imagine how that must have been written in the script, right? It's just like, well, he's got to get knocked unconscious. What's the best way to do it? He just walks and just falls and yeah. hits his head. Yeah. Oh. I oh laughed so hard, yeah. but then also thought that could easily happen to me. Like, oh, I'm just going <laughs> to um, go off road here a little bit. Go, wow. And I'm knocked out. Right. I'm sliding. I'm hitting my hand on a rock. I'm out. Right, right. But I love, um, I love any time in movies where a couple gunshots make a car explode. Sure, I'm oh, a sucker yeah. for that. Yeah, I, and I still, even though I know I have friends that have said that can't happen. It can. It doesn't you happen. have friends? What friends in the FBI? <laughs> I know the military? Is this the conversation people. you and your friends have? It's about how to blow up cars? <laughs> yeah, it's how to blow up cars and how realistic it is. And so I just love that. Like a couple just perfect shots to the gas tank will explode a car. But I'm a real sucker for that. I love it. I love Mark, a good explosion. Is, is that possible? Yeah. Mark? Mark, you're a gear. Yeah, Mark? It is. Yes. Oh, good. <laughs> okay. What? So much of oh, your If you're going to introduce a spark to gas, then wow. yeah. But. All right. 
I, it's going to take more than I. I don't know how quickly it can happen. Um, I mean, like the whole. Oh, never mind. I could go down a tirade here, but I'm not going to. <laughs> Moving on, Mark. Mark, how how would I hotwire a car? You know, that's one I I've always scratched my head on. I don't know how to. I'm not sure. You have to pull the right key, the the right wires from the ignition. Right. But I don't know that that necessarily works. I feel like that's more of just a car myth, especially mm. now when you have like push button start and you have to have the 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 key in your pocket in order for it to recognize that you're ready to start the car. It wow. would definitely wouldn't work today. Destroying a lot of illusions here on this episode. That sounds like a real Dick Miller is in Death Race 2000 kind of situation. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking about here. I don't know what to believe at this point. Mark, I want to stick with you. You're, you you love cars. You know how they work. What, I think your opinion really matters more than any of ours. What do you think about the car-based action in this movie? I absolutely loved it. I will say that you know you didn't they didn't have to over crank the camera yes on these, uh, absolutely like that's always a little like come on that's i don't mind a slower chase like i get the logistics of of a car chase and they over cranked a little too much but my favorite scene and we talked about the breaking of the leg which was shocking and the going under the the truck which is also shocking but when the i forget which which police officer is driving the car and they he crashes it into the wall and airbags come out that's right and i was like what yeah, yeah. airbags that... in the 1970s which i did do research and that model of uh the osmobile uh oh the, the 99 i forget the the total name they just had it for up. just a I'll couple years the <laughs> they had for a couple years had an optional airbag system and they and they purposefully showcased it in this movie. Uh, they kind, but it I kind of felt like an this... ad for it a little bit. Like he even said after he survived the crash, it's like, boy, I would have been like, he would have been dead if it wasn't for that airbag. They exactly. Actually, uh, they used that footage to show to, I believe, like Congress or whatever to get airbags into cars. Holy shit! They actually right. said they. they Julie didn't... Corman talks about it in the commentary that they actually utilized footage from this to show like we should have airbags in cars. <laughs> and they didn't have a. Uh, they didn't have a shoulder restraint. It was still lap belts, but right. they were using the airbag. So uh, that, I, I thought that I, I just it. I went down a wormhole of looking up airbag history after seeing that scene. So that obviously was my my favorite car chase scene. <laughs> so I just like the idea they're going to Congress and they're using footage from this movie, and they also have footage of them having a stuntman's leg get broken under. <laughs> it's like no, don't watch that. Footage. <laughs> Don't go into that. Don't go into that. <laughs> uh, Ryan, your thoughts? Any 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 notable car chase or car explosion moments in this film? Well, my, my so I was going to say something similar to Erica, but I, I would say just to back up a little bit earlier, one of the parts that I loved in in that chase was the initial chase from the rich oil baron's house. Sure. When when the sheriff is chasing them in their van, they leave the van door open because, of course, the deputy has decided to jump in the back of their van without them knowing so the back door is open and the sheriff is not shooting at their van he is shooting the deputy as he's laying in the back of the van <laughs> and, and shoots him. him a couple and hits him i'm like that to me was like oh shit this it was brutal it felt like, brutal yeah, yeah. the sheriff is like i must can make sure this guy is dead yeah. and then i'll deal with the two hippies in the van you know that part actually gave me so much anxiety because I was my thought as that was happening was like, why didn't you close the door? That guy's your only way out of this situation. Like as soon as the deputy was fully dead, I thought, 
oh, this is good. This has to end dark. There is no way out of this thing. Like they've yeah. they've eliminated their only rational way out in this movie in the first like what was that fifteen minutes? You know, like yeah, yeah. yeah. I, right I, away. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, even though the movie gets silly again after that. That moment, I just thought, well, that's it, right? Like, the, we now are on a path to death because that guy was their only their only way out of this thing. Yeah, it instantly sets up for the sheriff that this is a guy who's going to go to all ends to like make sure that he covers up his, uh, you know, the uh, covers up this murder. Um, and I also want to just say to shout out that Barbara Peters does the stunt coordinating for this, and she had started at New World and directed "Bury Me an Angel" before this. She'd also directed um, Summer School's Teachers, and she did the. Eventually, she directs Humanoids from the Humanoids Deep, from and the that's, deep. that's and right. that's where she decides I'm no longer going to work for New World. Yeah. She's worked <laughs> on a bunch of different movies and various things, and directed a couple movies, but she does all the second unit and stunt coordination for this film, and I think she did an incredible job. Um, probably was very happy at this point because Roger didn't come in, cut all of it out and replace <laughs> it with boobies. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, like, I, she, <laughs> just the fact that you had her doing all the stunts, I just thought was like, this, oh, what a, what a great job she did. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And getting those money shots, right? Because yeah, you're never going to cut those out of the movie. That's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The bread and butter of a movie like this. Yeah. In fact, I believe from this movie, they use some of these car chases for another movie that New World put out called Smokey Bites the Dust. <laughs> so clearly she did a great job with this film because they used the footage from this and other things. Um, so she probably was feeling pretty good, which is probably why Humanoids from the Deep was such a deeply unsatisfying experience for her. Right. So. I want to talk a little bit about the ending of this movie before we talk about the great Dick Miller. We've talked about it a little bit already. So we have our couple. They are uh, on the uh, on the run from the uh, this police officer who has his vendetta trying to stop them, trying to... Uh, has they've been blamed for the murder of that deputy? Um, they eventually hook up with this lawyer, played by Eddie, Eddie Albert. He uh, promises them that he, they're going to bring them to basically they're going to turn themselves in. That there's going to be a trial. Uh, as Liam suggested, maybe that wouldn't have been the most uh, satisfying ending to this movie, but it doesn't matter anyway because they get, he gets gunned down in the street. Uh, Steve McHaney's character gets shot as well, and. Uh, uh, the uh, Kaylin's character ends up getting arrested. She's basically traumatized by the whole experience. She gets put into a hospital. Stephen McHattie steals a sniper rifle, blows up a bunch of police cars, and kills the sheriff. And then the ending that the movie has overall is that Stephen McHattie reunites with uh, Kaylin's character as she's in the hospital on the other side of the fence. He basically asks her to climb the fence, and we see her starting to climb out, and then the movie ends. I want to see uh, what does everyone think of how this movie ends. I mean, it, it, do you consider it a hopeful ending? Do you think it's uh, incredibly cynical? It, it, this is a movie that kind of does play with tones throughout. Uh, I just want to see if everyone finds it satisfying or not. Going to start with uh, Ryan. Ryan, your thoughts on the ending oh. of, <clears throat> wow. of Moving Violation? Um, well, uh, just to back up a little bit, I love the fact that this movie shows you that getting shot in the arm can be healed with just a washcloth in the shower. <laughs> which So that is always... That's something I was not aware of. So when he got shot at the end, I thought, well, that'll be fine. Take one shower and you should be okay. As long as long as you just dab it with a washcloth. But, I thought um, there was going to yeah. be a suggestion at the end that's like, oh, he's just barely hanging on. But no, he was totally fine. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he's by fine. the time he gets to the hospital, he's great because he took a couple showers and he feels better and yep. went through a couple washcloths and he's fine. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a cynical ending. I mean, like we said, it, it, or I think Liam said, it's it's got that sort of first blood, sort of like 
we'll never get out of this situation. The we attempted to go down the correct route. We tried to get a lawyer involved. We talked to the uh, the, the state's attorney general. We were going to do the right thing, and it didn't work out. It definitely. I think that's exactly what they were going for. I think this is exactly what the movie was trying to say: is that yeah, the system doesn't work for everyone, which is. A little cynical, but I'm all for it. I'm a pretty cynical person, so I <laughs> I was perfectly fine with it. And I and I I thought that that at least it, it's I don't know if it had much to say other than to say you know shit's pretty shitty out there for a lot of people. Um, but that kind of worked for me. I kind of I I dug the ending, though. I I would say it ends a little abruptly with her just climbing the fence. I guess the point is is like she'll make it i guess but the way she's climbing that fence is lacks a lot of confidence he could have helped her along a little bit i think yeah but... he's holding the fence steady i guess <laughs> and i guess they all also just let everybody have outside time with no supervision because i'm like she's taking forever to climb that fence <laughs> and she said she could do it but i'm seeing that maybe she was a little confident at first and that was not she was overconfident yeah uh, and that fence has a pointy top and she's got to be very careful. Yeah. How is she going to... Uh, that's probably why they cut it. Because they're like, we can't watch her go over the fence. Because that's going to get real dicey as soon as she gets to the top. <laughs> she impales herself at the top of the fence and just dies. And that's the end of the movie. <laughs> and he, he whips out a washcloth. He's like, no, well, you'll be fine. <laughs> I'll heal you. Uh, Liam, you know what this movie makes me think? What's that, Doug? Never trust anyone over 40. Yeah, Boom. man. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking adults. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Liam, do you have any thoughts on the ending of Moving Violation? Um, <clears throat> honestly, there was a part of me that it, he transitioned so quickly from I've been shot in the gut and I'm barely getting away to now I'm triumphantly loading my rifle. Mm. But I thought, like, is he dead? Is, did this did, right? Is, right? Is it a fantasy? Yeah, is none you. of this happening because mm. he's actually dead? Uh, and then when she was climbing the fence. I was kind of like, you know, uh, is there some suggestion here that, like, you have two responses to an unjust world? One is to, like, be traumatized and hide away in an institution, and the other one is to go crazy with a gun and shoot the bad guys, and he's, like, coaxing her into a life of rebellion. And then I just thought, I don't think they knew how to end this movie, and this was just all (laughs) they could come up with. So, you know, if I'm being generous, I think there's a sense in which... Any sort of total closure where they like hold hands and run off into the sun is a little bit of a betrayal of some of the ways the movie is dark, even as it's sure. silly and fun. There's mm-hmm. a certain darkness that it would feel cheap if they had a total happy ending. On the other hand, if I'm being more cynical, I'm like, I don't think they knew how to end this fucking movie. Even when he shoots the cops, that feels a little half baked to me. Like I kind of think he got he gets into that fucking uh, 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 dumpster and I think they were like okay I don't know what to do from here guys like what do we even do you know I I, I don't know and and, and, you know it that's not to say it's not satisfying seeing him shoot up the police station and and and, you know I'm more than willing to accept that like at this time period um, a guy with an assault rifle you know the police don't know what to do with themselves you know but there's a part of me that's kind of like they would catch him pretty quick, though. Like even back then, I don't think he could just be like, "Oh, I'll just I'll just go to the hospital and get my lady friend." Like I don't think that's, I don't think that makes sense. And so I kind of felt like they just wanted to end the movie, you know? Yeah, I, I think they asked the director. It's like, how many of those police cars do you have left? You got three of them. Okay, just blow them how, up. How much, 
How much gasoline do we have? <laughs> yeah. Oh, we got that much? Okay, I have an idea. <laughs> Let's yeah, and also it. to... To, to Liam's point, they, the, the synopsis is that they drive cross-country. I'm like, do they ever get out of town? They <laughs> no, never no. left I the mean, city limits, it feels like. they never. Everyone get... knows the sheriff where they are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everywhere no. they go, everyone's like, oh, sheriff, please. Yeah, we'll do whatever you at, say. At, and, at you one know. point, she suggests, I believe they've, drived a to- they've, drived. they've driven a total of <laughs> 20 miles because the one town is 10 miles, and then the next town, I think they say something like 10 or 15, something like that. So maybe they've driven about 25 miles. But, you know, in Texas, 25 miles is like a commute for work. You know, it's not... <laughs> Not exactly yeah, right, like right. A, a long distance, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. What a weekend, too. Right. What a what a, what a <laughs> wild he's day sh- weekend. He's really showing her the good life, you know. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it's like Erica was like, "What? How long is this? Like, are they been what, together for a day?" <laughs> she's like, yeah. she's like, "Yeah, take me on your wild Christ country ride forever." Mm-hmm. I guess. So I was yeah. like, "What a successful date weekend that was." <laughs> For Stephen McCaddy. Well done, buddy. I mean, maybe I'm just a romantic at heart, but I think those two kids, they're going to be all right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, why not? At this point, she's gone through it all for a guy she barely knows. (laughs) Erica, your feelings on the ending of Moving Violation? I think the ending, this is stark. So prepare yourselves. Please. I I love it. He gets killed in the shootout. He's dead. I yeah. think Stephen yeah. he died in a dumpster. Killed. He dies in those boxes, and it was so oh. traumatic for her to see that that she is catatonic. So I don't think I think the whole revenge on the police, him showing yeah. up at the fence because she so poorly climbs that fence. Mm-hmm. I think that's her thing. She's sitting out there. She thinks she sees him in the field. She tries to climb the fence, and nurses take her down. I, he's dead. He died. That's the thing. And I think that too, because when she's in the bed and she's fully catatonic and uh, I'm forgetting the character who comes in, he's like, would it help if I brought Eddie back here? Would that help you get out of this if I bring Eddie back here? Very good. And she just doesn't respond. I'm like, he's dead. He's never Mm. coming back. So that's what I think. I think it, he never makes it out. He never made, he's, he gets Very killed convinced. in the boxes and that's I it I wanted to, when he was just shooting up the, the police station away? so yeah. well, I was he like, is this a dream sequence? Yeah. Is this it's really so, happening? Yeah. That, they don't yeah. explain how he gets the gun. He just gets it. And then he goes and he so perfectly shoots those cop cars in the dark that they yeah. explode. And then the three guys that he wants to kill come out. Like it's too perfect. So I think that's her dream. Hmm. And... Hmm. Yeah, she's yeah, just convinced you on that. He's dead, and she's spending her life in the mental institution. Unfortunately, well, look, so, I don't want chest well, kiss until she violations. falls until she falls off that fence and kills yeah. herself. Right. <laughs> she Correct. impales herself on the top. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I don't want to get too dark, but my interpretation is that this entire movie is just in the mind of a very bored ice cream waitress. Yeah. And she just doesn't know what's going on. She's just really yeah. kind of bored, and she yeah. thinks about it, what, how nice it would be. Mm-hmm. And she's a divorcee. Terrible. She's mm-hmm. a yeah. handsome drifter and creates She's just thinking about, I would like to take a new dip in a rich man's pool. And it just kind yeah. of spirals from there. Really. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, yep. The thing is, is that the oil man is a cryptid. That's what they didn't really get across yes. in the movie. Of course. <laughs> mm-hmm. Liam, you've cracked the code. Yeah. So there it is. But look, in our version, the deputy is alive. Oh, right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> he lives. And he gets 200 bucks. And he gets 200 bucks a month. <laughs> I don't know how, but that deputy's still dead. I believe that happened. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's just so killable. <laughs> Mark, your feelings on the ending of Moving Violation. I think you guys are reading too much into it. He asked oh, her, what? can you climb are you kidding he me? asked her can can you climb a fence? And she proves she can climb a fence. End of movie. I, all, she, all he asked her is like, can you climb? Yeah, I can climb. Let me show you. This is also She gets up to the top and he's like, okay, now climb back down. Okay, that's yeah, climb back down. I'm good. I, I gotta go. Um, <laughs> you, I've, I've taught you well, <laughs> right? And you know the 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 real hero of the story is Deputy Frank, who uh, leaves and joins the California Highway Patrol as Officer Grossman and Chips. So I mean, that's <laughs> that's where this movie was going the whole time. I do have to say I have a little bit of an issue at the very beginning when they meet um, at the soft serve, let's assume a Dairy Queen or something similar, and she's handing over a vanilla cone. He says, I need a double-double chocolate because I'm starving, and she serves him the exact same size cone, and he does not mm. take any issue with the fact that he got the exact same size cone. Is that because he's just trying to be nice? Uh, or did he not recognize that he, that the the he didn't get what he wanted well he should be happy he's getting anything i mean he's getting it for free <laughs> that's that's fair that's fair. and also maybe and he's, also, just saying, he's just talking nonsense there's no such thing as a double double cone it's a fucking soft serve <laughs> well I, I thought maybe she fills the cone part more on the double double but uh no <laughs> when he said I over, double, I, obviously when, i overthought it i didn't overthink the ending but i overthought that one scene so when he when he said double double i really did picture one of those cones that has two cones right i right. was like i was like what that's not a double double is it that's the not, one with the two it's just the same size I, uh, maybe double double is the flavor, uh, but that doesn't make any sense. I also thought, does this ice cream shop not have hot dogs? Don't you want a hot dog, man? Like ice cream? What are we doing? Yeah, kind of empty now? calories there. I mean, it's not going to help him right. out in the whole hunger thing. No, but like this is this is what this movie is about: a very hungry man who is yeah. just just flummoxed at every turn. Very sad right. to watch, I think. Yeah, right. I'm so hungry. He doesn't let me need... just let me have some ice cream. Yeah, that'll right. do it. And, and then he goes to get burgers. They ask him, "Does he want a medium?" He, the, the the guy cooking it says, "Do you want it medium?" He says, "No, no, no, make it red." And yeah. then he doesn't yeah. get them. He doesn't yeah. get them. He didn't. And he even turned down the onions. I mean, really, this is a very sad movie in a lot of ways. It made me a little depressed to watch. But what his dietary choices are very questionable. Very much so. But here's yeah. something that does not make me sad or depressed. It's the actor Dick Miller, who appears in this film as the character of Mac, a flunky for the sheriff, who shows up in like the last. 20 minutes or so and really makes an impression by the amount of damage that he managed to cause to himself. Oh my God. So that 20 minutes. What an incredible scene he gets in this. What a joy it is for him to pop up in this and to be like, yeah. Oh, cause I was at first a little bit disappointed. I think I was probably like you. It's like, Oh, you know, I was kind of hoping we'd get a bit more Dick Miller. Well, he makes yeah. his presence known. Uh, starting with you, actually let's stick with you, uh, Mark, your thoughts on Dick Miller's Mac in moving violation. I, honestly, I, I had sort of forgotten that he was in the movie uh, because I was enjoying the ride and I'm like, okay, this is great. And then like he then he showed up. I thought, oh, this is why I'm watching the movie is I forgot that, it, that Dick Miller's in this. And I, I again, this is he gets introduced as part of the flunkies that are part of the the the, the sheriff's crew that he can sure. hire at any moment to assassinate anyone at, at the drop of a hat. Um, and he has the most spectacular crash sequence 
of of the movie it, uh, ju- just by the fact that he crashes into so many things that all it becomes borderline comical oh without yeah. <laughs> I, I i think i'm being generous when uh, i say that it's it's but... full-on comical i feel like <laughs> yeah. it's hilarious yeah. it's, yeah. it's there's too much stuff on that hill for it not to yeah. be comical right. and just I the thought... escalation it's like hey and then the outhouse and then the house and then yeah like, it's, it's like my no. lord this it's hill great. right the outhouse is uphill from the house <laughs> fyi pro tip <laughs> Don't do that. Don't build the outhouse <laughs> up the hill from your house. <laughs> yeah. Well, they knew what they were doing. Well, if anyone has seen uh, in um, um, Police Story 2, the Jackie Chan film, there's a famous downhill car chase. Well, that's what's going on here. We mm. see Dick Miller <laughs> go out of control down a hill, crash through an outhouse, crash through a house, crash through a whole bunch of different things, and somehow survive and come back to fight another day where he also then crashes once again. <laughs> he does live to fight another day. Uh, Ryan, your thoughts on Dick Miller's performance in this film? So good. And not only that, like when he sees them, when he's chasing them down, he sees them again. He gives them those like Dick Miller steely eyes. Like, ooh, I'm going to yeah, get you. Yeah, absolutely. And they see him again. They're like, oh, shit. And then as Eric and I were watching it, Eric goes, it was his plan to just plow right into them? So after <laughs> yeah. this incredible downhill thing, mm-hmm. he just, his plan is like, I'm just going to slam my car into your car. Yeah. That is insane. What a crazy character that he ends up playing in this. <laughs> what is his um, overall plan? Does, does he ever show that he has a gun in this at all? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think he, he ever showed he had a gun. He, you know, and and where did where did he come from too in this? He yes. comes out of nowhere, yeah. and it's just like, oh, I got him. I'm and and get your call signs right, guys. Who are you? Are you the are you raccoon? Are, are you the raccoon or the coyote? Who's who? Yeah. They all seem to switch who's who. They're supposed to figure that out in advance. But <laughs> but I thought he was uh, he he came out of here like like lightning, and he just struck and he went after them goes down this hill and one of the most comedic scenes in the whole film so fun and then just is like i'm gonna i'm going to kill you with my car yeah i mean just a total terminator this is this is a great little role for dick miller uh wish it had been i wish it had been bigger Mm -hmm. i wish a lot more of the film had been i'm i'm chasing them down you're turning this over to this outside source yeah and instead of your shitty uh cops Mm -hmm. on the deputies I'm going to take the, this guy down as a, you know, so I wish he'd been in there a little bit longer, but terrific. What we got was, was amazing. I mean, I feel like that's the mantra of the show. I wish he was in there a little bit more. Yeah. Little yeah. Bit longer, yeah. Right? We never yeah. get yeah. quite as much as we want, but uh, I mean, certainly he makes an impact here. Liam, your thoughts on Dick Miller in moving violation. Yeah. You already said it. It's the classic line of the show. What we get of him is great. But yeah, more would would be fine. I'd love to have some mm-hmm. more Dick Miller. It is mm-hmm. memorable though that um, <clears throat> the sheriff just has some guy we don't know. Like you did, like the sheriff's network is such that he's got another guy who's just some <laughs> random dude waiting right. for them. Who's who's by the way willing to be called raccoon, which is not the most fun fucking call not sign cool. in the world. Not cool. Uh, tra- trash panda, Are you out there, trash panda. <laughs> <laughs> Liam, I think raccoons are pretty cool, but stop I mean, it! I, no, you hey, do not. I do so. Thank you very much. I feed some raccoons in a little valley just by my uh, house here in Canada. Get the fuck out of here! I do. I throw marshmallows to them. What do you think about that, Liam? <laughs> I think it's pretty a little fucking, family of raccoons. I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty fucking gross. 
Well, be that as it may, I still do it. Erica finishes off here. <laughs> Dick Miller as Mac in Moving mm-hmm. Violation. How does he acquit himself? Oh, it left me wanting more. You know, yes. I, 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 if I could be so bold, I would say I was thirsty for more dick at the end Absolutely. of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was my takeaway. Mm-hmm. I, I think we were all yelling more. that to the skies when we were watching yeah. this. More dick, Absolutely. we said. More <laughs> Please. dick. <laughs> yeah. We deserve more dick. That's for sure. <laughs> Liam, do you think we should have called this uh, podcast more dick instead of you don't know dick? <laughs> I mean, yeah, but that's fine. I'm going to put in the final word here for Moving Violation, the movie from 1976. I'm so pleased that we got an opportunity to see this. Probably a movie that we would have otherwise not gotten to for a very long time. Uh, It takes the experts on this era of films and filmmaking, people who are very interested in this era and the creators behind it, to pick a movie that maybe is a little bit more obscure, maybe does not have the most famous Dick Miller performance, but gives us something that we can all enjoy. I would consider Moving Violation a bit of a hidden gem. I think if you like these kind of movies, if you like this era of filmmaking, if you like car crashes, if you like car chases, that you can have a lot of fun with this movie. And if you like Dick Miller, hey, you gotta see it. And especially, you must like him. You're listening to a podcast devoted to him, you weirdo. Uh, So I, Doug Tilly the co-host of You Don't Know Dick. I want to thank our guests today, the host of the New World Pictures podcast. What a joy it was to spend a little time, you know, fawning over our dick and enjoying his work, <laughs> but also enjoying this wonderful movie that you brought to us. So I want to thank both of you, both of you. <laughs> only two of us. Pick your favorites. <laughs> I want to pick the two There's of you. There's only two of us and an ancillary third. I want to thank two of you and the person who thinks that Hellraiser 8 is the best in the franchise. <laughs> <laughs> our leader, no, wanna... our fearless leader. I want to thank Erica, Mark, and Ryan for taking time out of your very busy schedule to spend a little time talking about moving violations with us. Uh, I'm going to start over with Ryan. Where can people check out your podcast? Where can people find your work in the world? Uh, well, you can find our podcast where you can find any uh, podcast, uh, obviously, Apple, Stitcher, uh, uh, Spotify, anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find our podcast, the New World Pictures podcast. Um, you can find us. Uh, I spend a lot of time on Twitter, so you can find us there, the New World Pod. And you can also find us on Instagram and also on Facebook. We're actually on that dusty old uh, claptrap uh, called <laughs> called Facebook. So uh, you can find us on all those those social media uh, 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 channels. What, what do you call them? Social media mm-hmm. venues. Platforms. And you platforms. Can, yeah, platforms. Sure, sure. Plat- <laughs> Thank you, Mark. Platforms. Um, He's the leader. <laughs> Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, so you can find us there, and you can you can listen to our podcast. We got a lot of good episodes coming up. Um, you know, we've got a lot of good interviews that we're doing as well with people that have made some of the movies for New World Pictures as well. Um, we got Battle Beyond the Stars coming up. So wow. yeah, a lot of good stuff coming up on the New World Pictures podcast. Yeah, we'll definitely check out the New World Pictures podcast. As uh, Ryan just said, available on the Metaverse. Pretty exciting. Uh, so we'll, of course, <laughs> we'll of course yeah. link uh, where, where you can yeah, find the show. get it in your Oculus and get it. <laughs> <laughs> we will, of course, link where you can find the podcast on the show notes for this episode. Mark, uh, any other links that uh, that Ryan had forgotten or failed to mention? I, I, he got all of them. You know, got he's the real leader, so he knows how to do no, this. No, no. I would no, have fumbled through that for about 30 to 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, where can people find you? Is there any place that specifically to you? Let's forget about this whole podcast business. Where can people find you online? 
Um, you know, I, I used to have an Instagram account that I updated regularly and I, I just sort of, uh, I sort of dropped the ball on it. So I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not big on the social medias at the moment. So, uh, you can find me, uh, in a suburb of the twin cities in Minnesota. And, uh, you know, I look forward to seeing you camped out outside of my house. Mark, Mark, if I wanted to use the Wayback Machine on archive.org to find the GeoCities page that was the origin of your podcast, how would I do that? How would I search for that old GeoCities page? I have oh looked for it and I can't and I can't find it. It was New World Pictures online mm-hmm. and I can't again it was a GeoCities account and I've looked on the GeoCities archives and I can't find it. So Well, we have a lot I, of cyber I, hackers who listen to the yeah. show. So well, oh, please sure. if you find Good. it Send me the link. I would love to revisit it. Erica, do you have any abandoned Instagrams that we should be aware of? I don't. But, you know, if you ever want to talk hell world, just let me know. <laughs> Are you talking about a film or just the world? <laughs> Number eight, it's, baby. It's, Hellraiser, it's called, hell world. It's called their house. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You need to find us in the San Fernando Valley and uh, we will, yeah, we will... It, Stole the virtues of Hellraiser 8 to you. That's right. Um, ad nauseum. Um, well, I, yeah, please. Oh, no, no. I, do you have, don't you have an Instagram or do you not want to, yeah, you don't want to give it up. Yeah. All right, that's fine. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> well, I want to thank all of you. Yeah. Oh, please. That's where she puts all her little no, porn no, stuff. So. Please, please, please. Sorry. <laughs> I want to thank all of you for taking the time. Of course, uh, highly recommend. Uh, your podcast and and we of course will link that in the show notes and everyone should check it out and rate and subscribe on your podcast provider of choice speaking of podcast providers of choice liam o'donnell your work at cinepunks is wonderful and you've been doing some writing lately lots of great podcasts lots of great writing what can people uh check out your work and others well they should head to cinepunks.com c-i-n-e-p-u-n-x uh for our podcast as well as uh, Twitch of the Death Nerve, Horror Business, Tomb of Ideas, Wine and Cheese, a whole family of podcasts, as well We're as family. Uh, writing and merch and all that stuff. Uh, they can, of course, check out the uh, back catalog of this podcast on our website, cinemasmorgasbord.com. Uh, they can follow Cinepunks on social media to find out about any new projects we have coming up or uh, possible uh, uh, online screenings and things like that. Uh, C-I-N-E-P-O-N-X on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And uh, Cinema Smorgasbord is on Twitter at Cinema Smorg, S-M-O-R-G. Liam, any shirts we should be excited about through Rough Cut? Oh, man, I don't know if I should say. Oh, this will be a few weeks before this comes out, so you should probably uh, let us know right now. Okay, I think at Ooh. this, I think by now, mm-hmm. we should have our uh, Uzumaki shirts, Ooh. Uh, as well as maybe Pulse. I don't actually know what the other movie is yet, so uh, we'll have to see what, what we do. Pretty exciting. And that's at roughcutfanclub.com? That is correct. Hey, check that out if you want shirts uh, featuring uh, lots of cult and uh, genre films. And if you want to check me out on Twitter, that's Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. But for now, uh, we want to uh, take uh, a a little break from Dick Miller. We're going to be back very soon with another Dick Miller classic. Why don't you rate and subscribe this podcast on your podcast provider of choice? But for now, we need to say good night. Good night, everyone. Night, night. 